John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And, of course, uh, good chance to uh, catch up. We'll catch up with Vic Carucci at 1030 from the Buffalo News and see what's going on with the Buffalo Bills, Sunday's opposition for the Seattle Seahawks. <clears throat> 11 o'clock, we'll talk to Michael Bumpus. But uh, in the meantime, and with another crazy morning with all kind of <clears throat> positive tests and false tests and everything crazy, uh, we'll get into that in the five biggest stories of the day. Number one. Uh, we'll see Chris on on Friday and see how he looks and give him till, till Friday to see what, what we can find out. Uh, it doesn't look like Carlos is going to make it. Um, still, we got to take care of the hamstring. So, uh, um, you know, we brought in Alex Collins to help us out if we need it. Uh, he's on the practice squad right now, and we'll see how he, he how he works today. Um, for sure, it looks like uh, Homer is back and ready to go. That really helps us. Um, so, uh, DJ did a nice job last week. He and Homer, if they if they handle it, we'll be in good shape. And um, if we have an opportunity uh, to get Chris back out there, we'll do that for sure. So to be Carroll giving the injury update on the backfield. And at this stage, uh, you know, they still don't know about Chris Carson with that midfoot injury. You know, Carlos Hyde remains out with the hamstring injury. Travis Homer looks like he's in good shape. And as you mentioned, Alex Collins can come up if uh, they don't have Hyde available. And again, the big one is certainly making sure that Chris Carson uh, is going to be out there because they need that big physical runner. And this is a Buffalo Bill team right now that is not very good stopping the run. They've dropped off dramatically there. And so, you know, trying to get a little an offense with a little bit more balance, certainly you can't complain anything about the offense because Russell Wilson's having just an incredible season putting up numbers doing the passing all those different things but it would help to have the backdrop of having you know a good running game to kind of make it a little bit easier on him as far as other moves Michael Kendricks was resigned to the practice squad and of course what ended up happening on that is that you know Seattle you being nice to him said okay we'll let you off the practice squad because you have a chance to sign with another team and all of a sudden boom it didn't happen and so because of that you know Kendricks now comes back he waits it out they still have to decide this week whether Damon Snacks Harrison is ready to go on the active roster they've got a lot of uh, roster moves to make you know particularly with Rasheem Green likely to be back you got uh, you know Carlos Dunn lap is already out there and so uh, you know, he's on on the roster and he's taking the two and a half million dollar pay cut to be able to make things work under the cap on his 11 plus million dollar contract so overall kind of an interesting uh, week as this team now gets uh, prepared and a big game because again you win this game against buffalo you have a decent chance to go nine or ten and oh nine and one ten and oh in non-division games we'll chat with michael bumpus at 11 o'clock as we get to preview the sunday game between the bills and the seahawks number two I mean, I, I can blitz that much for, for the rest of my career, for sure. So if they want to do that, I'm, I'm all for it. But, uh, you know, I think every game is different. You know, every week is different. You got to approach it differently. So you can't do everything. You can't do the same thing every every uh, game. So, you know, but hopefully I keep listening. So Bobby Wagner really liked the idea of blitzing and what did it work to do? It got him to be the defensive player of the year. And, you know, you would have to think, you know, with the pass rush going and all that still being an issue, and we'll see what Dunlap can do to help that out and see, you know, where things can go if Green can help that out. You know, they probably still need to blitz more. And, of course, they do have the ability with Jamal Adams coming back to blitz from the safety position. And so 
you know, Wagner just had such a great game with his two sacks, his pressures, all those different things. And, you know, blitzing, this team blitzed a little bit more last year, and now it seems to be blitzing more this year. But, you know, they've got some better weapons, particularly with Adams coming back to be able to be more successful in those blitzes. And, of course, that would cause problems. I mean, Josh Allen's now in his fourth year as a quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, and he is getting better, but he's still a young quarterback, and you can force him into mistakes. And the big thing is he's gotten much better and more accurate throwing the ball downfield, particularly with Stephon Diggs being there and having the speed of John Brown uh, on the outside. But still, it's a matter that you want to try to force the quarterback to make some mistakes because if you win the turnover batter, as Pete Carroll usually says, you usually win the game. We're going to talk to Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News at 1030 as we get the report on what's going on with the Bills. Number three. It wasn't a tough decision. You know, with the way things were going, I, I, I had full confidence and, and faith in betting on myself and betting with the Seahawks. Uh, who else would I want to bet with? You know, it was like a win-win situation. At this point in my career, if I was to ever play, play and put on another jersey, I wanted to go to an organization where I was the last piece to help them win and get a Super Bowl. I didn't want to ride the wave of, you know, like, you know, when I – thought about it years ago it was the Patriots era where you know they're always going to be in the Super Bowl regardless of who they have at defensive end you know um, those type of scenarios so Carlos Dunlap making his first comments since being traded to Seattle and how he helped the team out by taking a little bit of a pay cut and pushing it into next year and on the gamble that is like okay will they bring you back and so you have to kind of wonder right now, how much better is this defense going to be with Dunlap, a two-time Pro Bowl defensive end who's 6'6", 285 pounds, and Damon Snacks Harrison, a big 350-pound run-stopping defensive tackle. That, I think, is going to be interesting to see. And you just hope that uh, you know Snacks Harrison does come on the active roster this week to make his debut. I, I think it was pretty close last week, but they needed more edge rushers than they did defensive tackles <laughs> stopping the run. But Dunlap, I think you could see, is really happy to be here, happy to be out of the Cincinnati Bengals because, again, it's just a dreadful season for them, you know, except for the play of Joe Burrow at quarterback. So all those things in the in the positive sense, Carlos Dunlap now getting ready for his first game as a Seahawk. Number four. Last night I asked one official what the chance was that this game would be shift or moved, and they said 0.0%. There were no further positive tests this morning so far and so the game as it currently stands is on track and on schedule to be played tonight it just won't look like people thought it would look the Packers are missing their running backs the 49ers are missing their wide receivers other players are going to be out as well but again the show goes on and I think that's the theme of this season from the NFL's perspective the show must go on can the season get any messier for the San Francisco 49ers? You know, here's Kendrick Bourne, who gets a positive test early in the week for the virus, okay? And so now, uh, what they had to end up doing because of uh, contacts that were near him, they had to put Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk on the COVID's list. And so, you know, all four players right now and supposedly aren't going to be able to play unless the league changes its ruling because they usually have to wait five days on a positive test. Well, it turns out that Bourne's, it was a false positive. And so he's tested negative, uh, and so you know I don't think they're going to be able to come back. 
And so you've got A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams. Uh, you've got you know no backfield right now for the Packers. Dillon, of course, he's got a COVID list. Jamal Williams on the COVID list. Aaron Jones probably not going to be able to play uh, because of injury. And so you have hardly any running backs with Green Bay. You only have two wide receivers with the 49ers right now, and that's going to be Trent Taylor and then Richie James, who really has only played like about one or two games because of knee problems this year, or hamstring problems this year. And so that's not good. you got Trent Williams out at the running back right now. You're down to two because Tevin Coleman re-injured that knee, and so he's out of the game in the backfield after coming off the IR list. And so now they have to you know, still go with the two backs that they finished up with, and that's Jarek McKinnon and undrafted rookie Jamichael uh, Hyde. And so it is just absolutely crazy how bad things are for the 49ers as they probably go for a whooping here against the Green Bay Packers. Kickoff is going to be at 520 on Thursday night football that's going to be on fox the nfl network and amazon prime number five well i just been spending a lot of time with family uh, working on myself with them and uh just staying resilient keeping the, the mind on the mission being a football player and uh, doing all the things that come with that even when the times got hard you know keeping myself in shape uh keeping myself uh motivated from within uh not listening to the naysayers or not giving doubt or worries about will I be able to return. You know, I had good trainers, good people around me in my corner that uh, kept me encouraged, uh, that kept me motivated. And uh, I just uh, believe, I knew one day I would get a chance to be back in this position. And I just try to check every box to make sure uh, when I was able to get back, you know, that I was ready to go. Oh, that's Antonio Brown making his first comments since getting signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, of course, you know he's going to be available for the biggest game that uh, Tampa has right now, a home game Sunday night against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you, you wonder, you know, how much does he still want to play? I mean, you, you kind of wonder about that. I know other people kind of question it, too. He does work hard. There's no doubt about it. He's living right now with Tom Brady down in uh, Derek Jeter's house that uh, Derek Jeter allowed them to move into. And, of course, the family's all down there and everything else. I still wonder if this thing could really hurt this team more than it can help. That's why I think it was such a good move that the Seahawks didn't do anything. But we'll find out. We'll see if they start to change the offense a little bit, go to more three and four wide receiver sets. You know, a lot on the line with this deal uh, because again you know things are going so smooth right now for the Bucks. I mean they're sitting there with only two losses they got six wins they got the division lead and right now if they can end up beating New Orleans which they lost to at the beginning of the season you know they have a chance now to open up a game and a half lead in the NFC South and look like the number two seed in the NFC behind Seattle so that's going to be the big thing but Antonio Brown making his debut Sunday night hey listen to the show on the, via the 710 Sports app it's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go under further review and what challenges are going to be present when they face Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. Under further review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. Well, time to face another good young quarterback in Josh Allen, a guy that's made a big advancement uh, since last in the last couple of years. I mean, you know, he, you know, talented, probably had the best arm in that draft. 
and you know he was not able to really take full advantage of it, getting the ball downfield. You know that was a little bit of a surprise. But this year he's opened it up, and I think the acquisition of Stephon Diggs really helped that out because you know Diggs came in here uh, with Buffalo and really established a deep pass. I think he's number two in receiving right now. Really good job, and so that's going to be a formidable challenge. And of course the idea is you want to try to make sure that you get to the quarterback and put some pressure on him and force him to make some mistakes. I know that uh, Brock Hewitt was on earlier today with Danny and Gallant and talked about the challenge of facing Josh Allen. Who is the real Josh Allen? The guy that we saw the first four weeks who was an MVP candidate or the guy who's been through some struggles over the last four weeks? Yeah, he's going to be right in between there. And, and I'll tell you, you know, just his skill set, uh, that wasn't a fluke the first four games of the year. You know, he spent an awful lot of time this offseason continuing, just like Russell does with his guru and Jake Keep, you know, uh, Josh Allen's guru and Jordan Palmer. And, and he really committed himself this offseason. And, and I think what you can find is, unlike Russell, that they keep those contacts close over the course of the season, continues to work with Trevor Moag continues to work with Jake, continues to work with his team all around him. You know, I think you look at Josh and, and Jordan Palmer 3,000 miles away. He does not have that established team around him uh, to, to maybe keep nitpicking and growing and, and working and developing. Um, so uh, he, he is challenged fundamentally. He's one of those guys kind of like a Felix Hernandez was when Felix came out. And, you know, when you throw 98 and you've got just a changeup that falls off the cliff, like, you're just, <laughs> you're untouchable. And and Josh Allen's got, you know, I, I remember asking him, Paul, or Chris Myers asked him when we had the Bills Rams the first time about a month ago, and Chris likes to ask these quarterbacks, hey, how far can you throw it? And Josh is like, yeah, you know, 85. You know, I threw it 85 yards in college. I mean, that just that just doesn't happen. I mean, there's, Rico. there's maybe Mahomes, maybe Stafford in his prime. Um, I don't know if Russell could ever quite get it that far. I mean, that, that's the kind Nick? of shoot that, that this guy has. I mean, he's got a, a phenomenal arm. And he's also, you know, in talking to Jordan Palmer, I um, mean, all of their testing they did, they worked with Deshaun Watson, too. He's faster than Deshaun Watson. He's quicker and he's faster than Deshaun Watson. And he can throw a football 85 yards. So there's every physical gift you want. Um, he has certainly played games. Uh, the Cowboys last year in big moments on Thanksgiving where he was phenomenal. Um, so you've got to, even further to my point, if you're the Seahawks, what you do not want to see is Josh Allen in that first quarter, like eight for nine, 95 yards, a touchdown, and great rhythm. You want to hit him. You want to move him. You want to get him off rhythm, off timing, um, because, you know, when he's, when he's on, he's as dangerous as just about anybody in this league. Yeah, and you go to the first four weeks of the season where basically, I mean, he was playing like uh, an MVP. Uh, I guess after the 4-0 start, averaging close to the 28, 29 points a game. You know, he was hitting just about everything. I mean, he was fantastic. But things of late, they've got tougher schedule they've been facing right now. And I think that's kind of slowed him down a little bit. You know, Tennessee did some tough things against him. And, you know, that, that caused some issues. Then you had, uh, you know, uh, a Kansas City Chief team kind of holding him back. And so, yeah, they've, he's now hit a little bit of a wall, but still a very good quarterback in the sense that uh, he's got so much talent. And, you know, that comment that Brock made about 
of 85 yards. Uh, I don't doubt that one bit because I, I remember at the combine I was you know in, I was able to see that quarterback workout and he threw one that was 70 yards down the left sidelines and it was just incredible. I mean it really just showed what a great arm strength guy he is and he's a good enough athlete to do things and he's a very competitive guy. I know talking to Brandon Bean, the general manager of the Bills, uh, you know because you know there's always the questions coming into this year. Okay, is he kind of hitting the wall? What's going on? Is he going to advance? I mean, you know, he said basically his mentality, Josh Allen, is kind of like a basketball point guard in the sense that he wants the ball, particularly at the critical times, and wants to try to make the plays. And that, of course, is in his favor. And now, say what you want. I mean, you know, he's been a playoff quarterback. He's won games. A lot of the success, though, has come because just like in Tom Brady's case, for such a long period of time, the NFC East hasn't been very good. And so, you know, he has four pretty good games there. I mean, you saw on Sunday, this was his biggest moment in the sense that he was able to finally beat the New England Patriots and take that off the back and now look to be a pretty well locked to win the AFC East. But I think that uh, Josh Allen has a lot of talent and he's going to cause a lot of problems. And of course, uh, you'll see about his mobility and we'll see how the Seahawks adjust to it. So Curtis, I mean, what's what do you think? Is this just going to be another 34, 35, 31 game, something like that? It's very possible, John. I think the only thing that might keep it from a high-scoring game is potential weather in Buffalo. Because the weather is one of the most unpredictable things about playing a game in Buffalo, which is something the Seahawks have not done since, I believe it was 2008, last time they were uh, against the Bills. And I think that was a week one game, so the weather was fine. Um, but I think to me, John, looking at this matchup, uh, I think both quarterbacks are going to perform well. Uh, I think Josh Allen is somebody that if you can get him and if you can uh, rattle his cage a little bit, uh, get him off balance, then you're going to have a lot of success against the Bills and be able to slow him down. But if he gets comfortable, if he's you know able to set his feet and, and really just unleash that berserker, uh, he's going to put up you know 300, 400 yards. I mean, look at those first four games uh, against you know the Jets, the Dolphins, the Rams, the Raiders. Uh, he was at Russell Wilson's level, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of production. I mean, his quarterback rating was was really high in all those games. The lowest one it was was one hundred four point six, and that was the uh, that was the opener against the Jets. So, to me, I, I look at Josh Allen. I, I think this is somebody that the Seahawks need to get after, and they need to utilize uh, that blitzing that they they were very successful with against the Forty ers because you know they got Jimmy Garoppolo uncomfortable. Uh, Josh Allen, somebody that. You know, if he can have time to throw, he's going to beat you. But hopefully, uh, if the Seahawks can get Carlos Dunlap involved a little bit, um, continue to get Bobby Wagner involved in blitzing, and I mean they'll have Jamal Adams too. I think those are three guys that can really, you know, change what the Bills want to do offensively just because of the pressure that they could create. Yeah, no doubt, and that's why it's going to be so important for the Seahawks to get that pass rush, and this is going to be a real challenge for the secondary. That's why, you know, they they need a Shaquille Griffin back. You know, he's got I think he's okay on the concussion, but he missed practice yesterday for a hamstring, so that that still has to clear up. I mean, Trey Flowers did have a good game last week. They need the best from uh, Quentin Dunbar, but uh, they also need that pass rush definitely coming from you know Dunlap and uh, Benson Mayoa, and you name it. I mean, they need to do that just to try to contain him and make it difficult for him because you know this is not going to be an easy game because, again, when you look at it, you still realize this was going to be one of the tougher road games for this team. 
Yeah, that, and it was going to be tough regardless of who was healthy, who wasn't, uh, because, man, these Bills are, are one of the most improved teams over the last couple of seasons. Uh, they're not the Bills of, of the 2000s. They're not the Bills of the uh, early, you know, of the late 90s. They're they're a really good team, and they're the class of the AFC East right now. Uh, Pete Carroll yesterday was asked about Josh Allen and, and his targets that he's throwing to, and he says he's got some good ones. Stefan is really a good player at doing everything, route running, catching and running, getting deep, making the big catch. He's a fantastic football player and a true number one. Um, Cole Beasley is a really good player in their offense, too. They, they know how to use him. He's all over the place, and we've always had respect for him, making plays, getting open, tough catches, you know, gritting out the, the third and fives and sixes, you know, for him. He's really effective there. And they, they're real fast uh, with, with the two guys that we saw in the Cardinals for years. Uh, and uh, so, you know, John Brown plays a lot. And he's really fast. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, you know, Andre, they're, they're good players. So we know the group, and, and we're familiar with them. We have a lot of respect for them. Yeah, he brings up Cole Beasley, which I think yeah. is somebody that people kind of forget because of how good Stephon Diggs has been this season. But he's been an incredible number two option for Buffalo this year. Uh, of those wide receiver targets, John, who do you think Seattle's going to have their hands full with the most? Diggs. Because, you know, I think Diggs is the best of the three. Uh, you know, John Brown. And really what it's come down to is that the success of Diggs has now pulled away coverage from John Brown and Beasley. You know, Beasley's just one of those real good guys that works the slot. I know that, uh, you know, some of the comparisons to some of the things you see from Julian Edelman. But, you know, I think most people thought once they got Diggs added and has proven it out this year that this is going to be one of the best three receiver teams in football. And so that means, hey, you're going to need that third cornerback. You don't have Ugo Amon. Uh, you hope everything's going to be okay on DJ Reed. You know, if not, then of course you have to take Dunbar and put him in the slot and put Trey Flowers on the other side. But at least they have options right there. Hey, tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle. Remember, you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or app. Coming up next, we're going to get together with Vic Carucci, covers the Buffalo Bills, does columns for the Buffalo News. And of course, uh, he'll be joining us next. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. And joining us, Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News. Uh, does columns, was covering the team for so many years, got a preview of the Bills. And so I know that the Bills now look to be pretty well locked in to win the AFC East, past the New England Patriots. But how good is this team? John, I think they're good. I, I would Stop short of calling them great because I think if we're if we're scaling the great teams in the league as the Seahawks, as the Steelers uh, on that short list, of course the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, I, I don't see the Bills in that heavyweight category. They've come up against two of the heavyweights already in the Chiefs, and, and if we want to call the Titans that more or less uh, in the AFC at least, uh, and lost both of those games. Both of those played in prime time, and I think people got a good look at Buffalo after a 4-0 start, thinking they might be in that category. Uh, they didn't have that. And what don't they have? Well, uh, they have issues defensively, especially stopping the run. Uh, they they have struggled also in, in giving up big plays against top-level uh, opponents or better quarterbacks. And, and when they've come up against the Jets and those teams at the at the lower end, not much of a problem. So so that's the gauge. You, you, you ask me how good they are. I think they're good enough to win the AFC East because I don't think there's much competition yeah. going to stand in the way. 
So what what's happened to the defense? Because that's been the strength of the team for, what, two, three years. <clears throat> what's happened on the run stopping? Yeah, so uh, I think the obvious place to start is Starla Tulele opting out of this season for the reasons of COVID. And the, he, he, I think the appreciation for Star's presence has only been greater now that he's gone. When he left, it was sort of like, oh, ho-hum, you know, he, he didn't have big numbers anyway. Well, he wasn't a big numbers guy. He was a run stuffer, a plugger, and they missed that. Uh, you could argue that Jordan Phillips, who's now with the Cardinals uh, in free agency, uh, miss, you know, they miss him inside. Uh, and then you had... Shaq Lawson, who was a decent edge setter, uh, but but more of a better pass rusher, but still a guy up front. So that's three players who are part of that defense who are no longer there. And I and I think that you start the conversation with that. Beyond that, um, are they getting as much as they need out of Ed Oliver? And I don't think so. You know, the first round draft pick uh, in 2019, and a guy they took ninth overall. Uh, the expectation and, and a big reason why they were willing to part ways with Jordan Phillips in free agency was because of the expectation that Oliver, who Phillips replaced as a starter for the final nine games of last season and the postseason game, uh, you know, was going to step up and, and take in command and, and take uh, take that job and play well. Uh, I haven't seen it, uh, not not consistently. I think the linebacking core has been – inconsistent and and shoddy at best. Tremaine Edmonds dealt with a shoulder injury, but overall his play has not been up to snuff uh, and certainly not what this team expected of the second of two first-round picks they had in 2018, the other one, of course, being Josh Allen. So I, I, I think there, there are some of those reasons you point to and say, you're, you've got to be stout. You've got to be more physical. You, you've got to uh, do all the things that you saw this team do a year ago uh, overall, and uh, we're just not seeing it. Mm-hmm. That's, what's it work, how's it worked so far with Mario Addison? He's been a solid addition, but not, not great. Uh, he, the expectation was he would be the speed complement the edge rushing speed speed guy to complement Jerry Hughes on the other side, and uh, that that hasn't worked out as well as they hoped. In fact, Jerry went through six games while he was getting pressure on quarterbacks. He did not have a sack until his seventh game, and he had his first two, and those were against the Jets. Also had a, a interception and forced fumble in that game. So best game of the year for Jerry, but uh, far and few between in terms of. Uh, you know, dynamic production from the front of the defensive line uh, of the of the defense or the defensive front, and I, I think um, you know uh, Quentin Jefferson's another guy they brought in who's been again a guy, solid guy, not dynamic. Of course, the one thing is about with Quentin, he went to my high school, uh, so. <laughs> I, I, I say that with all due respect. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you, you know, who, who all, what, uh, what a Buffalo native also went to my high school, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, that, that was Rob. He, he finished his high school career. He spent most of it in Western New York, uh, high school, going to school with my younger daughter. Uh, but yes, I know he, uh, transferred and finished, uh, finished his, uh, high school career there in yeah. Pennsylvania. Yep. Am I, am I reading this right that, you know, Tredavious, Tredavious uh, White is one of the best cornerbacks in football, but he's not having his best year. 
That's a fair assessment, John. I, I think he is an outstanding player, but has not played outstanding football. He has been, uh, in some ways, um, I, I thought early on maybe a little distracted because, remember, right up to the deadline of opting out for the season, we thought, or he, he, he was public about the idea of giving it serious thought and maybe going the route of Starla Tulele. Um, a lot of family concern and so forth. Now, concurrent with that was getting a new contract, which he did. Um, and and he's among the higher-paid corners in the game. Um, and there was some speculation that maybe the opting out was factoring into some kind of leverage. I'd like to think it was you know, a pure thought on his part about just protecting himself, his family. But be that as it may, he has just not been uh, the impact uh, corner that this team has had before, uh, you know, had had uh, last year and, and the year before, uh, and the year before to, to earn that deal. Um, so I, I think, but I also think that uh, co- compromising the problem is not having much help on the other side. They uh, had the injury uh, with uh, Levi Wallace. Uh, they had signed Josh Norman as a veteran to come in. He hasn't been helped, dealt with a hamstring issue, and frankly, I, I don't think he's the anywhere close to the player uh, he ha- was at his prime. Uh, so uh, they're, they're having issues at the other corner spot, and uh, and I think the safeties have been okay, uh, not great, but okay. Now on offense, I mean, Josh Allen got off such a, such a great start, finally got out of that uh, rut where he would only get about 18.2 points a start. Uh, but kind of come a little bit down to earth here in the last couple of weeks. Kind of evaluate Josh Allen's year. Yeah, so the first four games, he was an MVP candidate, and rightfully so. It looked like he had solved his accuracy issues, especially on long throws. He looked in command of the offense, and, and I still think he shows decent command, but seemed to be even more poised because of a confidence and comfort level of knowing what he was looking at and and really understanding Brian Dayball's offense. Uh, And they were throwing the ball very aggressively, and why not? You you add Stephon Diggs, who has been a big difference maker, and another reason for Allen's improvement, I think, because he had the confidence to throw in the direction of Diggs and know a lot of those balls, 50-50 or otherwise, otherwise would be caught and, and, and make big plays. And Diggs was also drawing coverage away from uh, from John Brown and Cole Beasley, and I think Cole Beasley also has emerged uh, as as a Julian Edelman like underneath to reliable uh, short and mid range target, uh, and, and who's very shifty and nifty and getting open, and that uh, it gives a good you know uh, definitely some good pictures for Josh Allen when he, when he's dropping back or moving around. Uh, and his run dimension is as good as ever. He's he's uh, as a as a big guy who can move uh he i think that adds to his uh, uh adds to the threat now i think teams after four games got a decent book on him tennessee's game plan mike vrabel a really good defensive coach found ways to uh, to definitely take some stuff away from him and that was his first real dud of a game and then kansas city he didn't play a whole lot better uh, in that one, and I also think on that stage and in that moment, he pressured, uh, pressed himself, uh, and that's when he gets into trouble. Um, wasn't great against the Jets. Uh, they only got field goals in that game, no touchdowns, 300 plus yards passing, but nothing 
spectacular and uh, frankly against the the Patriots uh, a very tight ball game and give Bill Belichick credit for finding ways to again uh, take away from what Josh does best and what he sees best so good scheming uh, has worked against him Uh, teams have I think caught up on understanding what he does I would still rate his uh, improvement or development or evolvement uh, over what what he was going into this year as on the plus side. I, I think he's the needle still moving in the r- right direction for him, but not as dynamic as he was the first four weeks. Uh, wrapping it up here, what what about the running game? How do you kind of look at the Bills' running offense? I think it is. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, John. I I, I want to say after a, a you know a strong outing uh, of of you know a hundred and you know nearly 200 yards against the um, uh, against the Patriots, uh, all of a sudden you saw something there from uh, Devin Singletary and from Zach Moss, each having 80 uh, plus or 80 or so yards, uh, and Moss ran for two touchdowns. The, the O-line stepped up and did a great job. But I, I will also say that we didn't see this for, for the previous seven games. And Mitch Morris, the center, stuff, suffered a concussion on the third play of the Patriot game. But it could be argued that the, the line not only didn't falter, it actually got stronger in the middle. Uh, and I'm not saying that this is a direct result of Morris being out of lineup, but John Feliciano who is making his and this goes is part of I think the lines run running improvement his first game of the season uh, after missing seven with a uh, pectoral injury and two surgeries he uh, started the game at left guard and then after uh, the first series was moved to center and uh, played quite well there and and uh, is a, a mean nasty kind of player who brought that mean, nasty attitude that is contagious to that line. Great stuff, Vic Carucci. Uh, too bad we don't get to see each other in this game, and uh, you because know, we'll both be working from home and doing all that fun stuff, so it's like very strange season. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I definitely miss seeing you and being around you, but uh, it's great to, to hear your voice and, and talk this way at any time, my friend. Uh, uh, always happy to join you. Vic, thank you so much. All right, John. You can check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go on to visit. We're going to go out and check what's going on behind the lines in the National Football League. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, this is getting interesting on the Kendron Board situation uh, in uh, what's going on there in San Francisco because earlier in the week, you know, Kendrick Bourne uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Okay, he's a wide receiver. He played against Seattle uh, and, you know, he's really had to play a lot of games. And, of course, all the Seahawks. Uh, cornerbacks and coverage people had to get extra testing this week or just to make sure that nothing carried over. And so then uh, what ends up happening, I guess he's in a meeting room and, you know, he's certainly there with Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver, somehow in the meeting room with Trent Williams, the left tackle. And so they go on the COVID list. And so they're going to be out. You know, also in the room was Debo Samuel, but he's on injured reserve. So he, he wasn't going to play anywhere. And then of course, today he gets some negative testing. And so then the 49 
Miners or somebody, Kendrick Bourne, claims it was a uh, false positive. Well, the Ligs come back and shot back nasty and saying it was not a false positive. It was a positive. And so, uh, you know, these guys are going to, to miss this game and, uh, you know, kind of a nasty situation. Yeah, it, it, to me, John, it, it seems as though the NFL is doing everything they can to get this game in, regardless of who tests positive or, or not, especially with four 49ers on their COVID-19 list. Heck, even the Packers have a player uh, on their COVID-19 list. Three, they have three. Yeah, so there's seven players in total between these two teams. Uh, it just seems like the NFL might be missing the mark in getting this game in, especially with how many positives we've seen on both sides. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, his test came back positive Wednesday and then negative today. And then according to Adam Schefter, there have been 104 instances this season of a positive uh, one-day test and then a negative the next. And it has been proven positive 101 of the 104 times with further testing. So the math would say that Bourne has tested positive, even though today the uh, it came back that he tested negative or was a false positive. Um, it just seems as though the NFL, they're just dead set on doing anything possible to to not have a Week 18 and to just get every single game in as possible. I, I don't even know if they're going to cancel games. No, the they're rest not going to cancel it. And see, and that's where I think. And again, it's like, uh, believe me, uh, I'm trying to follow the protocols. Not as far as you know, living. I try to do that anyways. But as far as following the protocols and what goes on, because it keeps changing week by week, and what it is, and that's why. In fact, I even have. You know, I got a database right now that has all the guys who are on the COVIDs list, but then you have to differentiate how many guys tested positive because now what they've done is they've increased the contact part of it, you know, the tracing, and it's like okay, if you're close enough and uh, to that person, then you're going to be you're going to be out for five days, you're going to be quarantined, and so technically, uh, you know, this game has two players, AJ Dillon of Green Bay and also Kendrick Bourne of San Francisco, they're the only two that have tested positive. All the other guys who are on the list are just, you know, in, they call them, what, uh, high-risk contact people. And so that's where it comes down to. And if you look and you, you look and you say, oh, boy, look at all this bad stuff going on. You know, in fact, uh, you know, it's one there, there's in the last month, it's been pretty consistent. There's only been eight players eight players that have tested positive and you're not going to cancel a game or delay a game or postpone a game for two. I mean, Hey, the team has to pay the price because if the contact is considered to be high risk, then of course now the 49ers have to go into this game with only two active wide receivers, you know, two active running backs. I'm sure they're going to get, you know, a couple people off the practice squad to be able to fill those two spots and they won't have their left tackle Trent Williams. But, uh, you know, it's been eight per week. Like last week, it seemed like it was a whole bunch. And then of course you look at the list of Baltimore this week. It's like, wow, they have nine guys on there. But the problem is, it's not nine guys. It's basically Marlon Humphrey and then the contact with eight other guys. It's all just so very confusing, John. Yeah. And, I mean, also this week, Matthew Stafford, he was placed on the COVID-19 mm-hmm. list by the Detroit Lions, but there's a chance he could still play. Uh, how would that be possible, you know, since we're just a couple days away from Sunday? Yeah, because I guess what he tested positive on uh Monday, probably Tuesday, I guess it was. And so what it is, so you got Tuesday, yeah, five days you have to wait. Six, I mean, five, five days. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so now he's eligible to be there on Sunday. 
So here's where the deal has to go is that, uh, you know, he has to fly separately. He cannot get on the plane Saturday because he's supposed to still be uh, in quarantine. And so if somebody if they, they have the ability to get a plane to get him to the road game, then he'll play. If not, and you have to think because he's the quarterback and he gives them the only chance to win, they'll find a way to fly him there. Obviously not commercial, but maybe send a plane back to get him. But that that is just the uh, the nature of where all this is. Yeah, it's going to be nuts, oh, yeah. especially for the Lions who are, I would imagine they're preparing as though Stafford will play on Sunday, but he can't practice no. with the team, so they're going with their backup in practice. Could make things could make for an interesting day on Sunday when the Lions do play, just because you know they haven't really practiced with Matthew Stafford this week. But I mean, they they do know he hasn't missed a start, I think, in his entire NFL career or something like that. Mm-hmm. So and also, remember, he had a false positive. That's true. He in, had one. In training uh, camp. Yeah, that's right. So it's this is not his first uh, go around. No. with uh, sort of the the precautions of of the league. Um, John, also uh, this week there was the, I guess the rumor or the story that the reason the Dolphins went to Tua Tagovailoa so early in the season this year uh, was because they wanted to use it as an audition for next season's draft, the 2021 draft, to see if maybe they wanted to dip back in and get either Trevor Lawrence or, or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, one of the three quarterbacks that are sort of being viewed as the prizes of next year's class. Uh, but head, head coach Brian Flores strongly pushed back against that idea yesterday. What do you make of the story that Tua may have been uh, put out there as sort of an audition that maybe they aren't exactly sold on him as the starter? I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I, I have to think it's like uh, it's it's one. I, I don't. I, I go with Flores on this because again, it's like I mean, you're risking the season. I mean, here I know they're not a good Dolphin team, but they are four and three now, and they were three and three going into the game, and these were going to be tougher games than it would be after this stretch because they got uh, the Rams and you got Arizona, and so you know they could have easily lost both. But you know the defense played well enough against the Rams that they were able to win, and I think they're going to have a tough time against Arizona. I mean, it's pretty clear the Tua wasn't ready I mean I didn't think he would be because I know you know in prepping for the uh, Dolphin game you know doing the Dolphin sidelines on the broadcast you know the one thing that was told to me was he didn't light it up in training camp I mean where Herbert did a lot of good things certainly Burrow was just fantastic in training camp but this guy did not light it up and so uh, you know what you're looking at is how good is he going to be? But uh, I, I just think they moved it up a little bit. They gambled. It worked. I mean, even if they lose the game to Arizona, they'll be 4-4 four and four with an easy stretch coming up. But uh, yeah, I, I don't buy that. I mean, listen, the whole season was supposed to be tanked for Tua, and they didn't tank, but they still got Tua. But now if you're going to put yourself in a position to get another quarterback, I mean, you're killing yourself because think about what they've done. Remember, they trade for Josh Rosen, and they gave up a second-round pick and a little bit more. You know, that takes away a player that you could use as a, star, a potential star. And then now if you, you know, use the what the third pick in the draft on a guy like uh, Tua or this, the, this, what, the fifth pick or whatever it was. And, you know, now, now you lose a, a generational type of player. I mean, it's, it gets crazy. I don't, I, I'm, I'm siding with Flores on this one. Yeah, it's not a good, uh, not a good streak to have yeah. when you're taking a quarterback in the first round every single season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. And, of course, coming up next, we're going to get together with Michael Bumpus and talk about this Seahawk-Buffalo Bill game. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.